This is MFG Out Loud. Courageous conversations about sales and marketing for today's manufacturers. With your hosts, Ray Zaganto and Allison DeFore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MFG Out Loud. We're so glad you're here. We have a treat for you today. Um, A genuine marketer, I think, of of all time that I've met um, in this space, truly. He's doing some things that a lot of people are just talking about doing, and uh, he doesn't take any guff, and that's one of the things I love about him. And um, so I want to introduce you to Trent Dunn from Pelican Wire. Thank you for joining us. Hi, all. Thank you for having me. Pleased to spend some time with you today. He is their uh, marketer extraordinaire. And also, I want to point out hat collector. Oh, yeah. I want to know, what is your favorite hat? Real quick. So, actually, the current favorite, I, I, I'm a hat guy. So, my my passion is actually small business hats. So, um You've said it, so I'll go ahead and plug it. Uh, I have a social media page uh, for my hats on uh, Instagram and Twitter called Hatvertisement. And um, all I do is is I try to get people to give me a small business hat. I take a picture with it. I send out a link and a post and whatnot. Uh, but I've, I've been collecting hats since I was a small kid. Uh, I spent my childhood in Alaska. And it, I don't, this is going to age me, but Dairy Queen had a thing where they gave Sundays out in little baseball hats. Remember, small, like almost yeah. like batter's hats from the yeah. baseball hats. So, you know, I'm a kid in Alaska and parents were always taking us out for Dairy Queen. I started collecting hats of those. And then I thought, well, I should get the real size one. So then I collected all those hard plastic shell hats that yeah. baseball batters had. And then you can't wear that around the mall. So then I went to hat. Anyway, so I've just, I've spent a lifetime collecting hats. And uh, How it's many just, do you have? funny. How many do you have? I, I never keep them because I'm always cycling them out. Okay. I have friends that want certain things. I'm always in trade. If I okay. see a guy in town and he's got a cool tractor hat from across the country, I'm either going to offer him 20 bucks or I'll trade the hat on my head for it because that might be cooler than mine. And I just, yeah. um, it's just a bartering thing. That's in, awesome. In, in my lifetime, my estimation is I've had between 38 and 4,000 hats. Wow. 3,800 to 4,000 hats, wow. I think. Is, but, but that's, I really did some math to get to that. So yeah. um, on the other side of the monitor behind me is three boxes because I'm having shelves built for three rows of hats in my office. And then this is a, a hat stand that I just refinished. And so I just threw some hats on it just so I could look contemporary. Look hat-like. Hat-like. <laughs> All that cool. because you asked about hats. I'm so sorry. We're, I know. We're five minutes into a podcast. Well, on thanks marketing. for joining us, Trent. This has been great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Next time we'll be... <laughs> Well, there's a whole nother wheatgrass question, but I'm going to save that for the end. Oh, wheatgrass. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Oh, man. I got some singers. Okay. So let's jump into a courageous conversation about ridiculously great content that sells, because I think Ray and I both run across this daily, as probably you have as well. Mm -hmm. Content, content, content. That's everybody's talking about content and has been for a long time but so few manufacturers are really doing anything with it in, in, in my experience or doing it well. 
Um, I'm not sure that they all, everyone grasps exactly what it means and what the power of what you can do with it. And it's not a put down, it's just an observation. But what that tells me is there's still so much room for opportunity. And that's what's exciting for me and for us to share with our listeners. So I would love it if you could share with everybody a little bit about your story and how you got here um, on your marketing journey and with Pelican. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, if we, if we, I'll make this very brief because it's not all that interesting. Um, but I, I was with a large phone company um, many years ago, corporate job uh, in sales, started taking on some marketing roles um, and was challenged by actually this corporation I worked for to also get involved in the community. So I went and joined a couple community boards and ended up having some great connections there. And one of those members of a board that I was on says, you know, every time I sit next to you, you're giving, you talk to me like you're giving me ideas for my business. And I don't think you know this, but I've implemented two or three of them and they're going great. Have you ever considered coming out of there and being a marketing guy? And I go, make me an offer. So we, we worked it out and I became the first um, marketing director for what became the largest hurricane protection company in the state of Florida. And we spent the next five years taking that company, um, doubling in size almost every other year. It was just this, this crazy rocket growth. And I was, I was given a great canvas by a, by a real mentor and CEO that saw, saw my aptitude more than he saw my experience because I didn't have and do not have a degree in marketing. Um, but I figured out that the truest definition of marketing is identifying something missing in the marketplace and filling that gap. To me, that's, that's a true, real definition of marketing. And sometimes that's content. It's not a product always. It's not even a service. Sometimes it's just a piece of information. So I've just started incorporating that into my jobs in marketing. And uh, when, when, when that uh, opportunity ended, I started my own agency and learned, spent five or six years just running a, a, a one plus three or four man shop. You know how it is. You run your shop. You've got three or four assets that help you build everything together for all these clients. Uh, but you're in charge of everything from accounting to presentations to, you know, making sure your socks are on right. And uh, I did that for five or six years. And really enjoyed that and just got a chance to really get my hands so deep into every area because every phone call with every potential client was a completely different request. And it was an a la carte time. Uh, the people weren't spending a tremendous amount of money uh, from 2010 to 14 in, in marketing. So it was, it was a lot of one-off work. And you would work on web services over here for a minute and then you're spending time on the latest version of Google. And then you're making sure that you understand what it is to be a YouTuber. And then you're back to content and then you're over to press releases and, and, and you just learn a whole lot about your strengths and your weaknesses and, and how to get the best out of these resources that now you are suddenly corralling in every area. Um, so I took that with me into Pelican wire and in the almost five years I've been with them, we've, Oh, gosh, we've rebranded the company. The Pelican Wire brand now is new. Uh, that's something we did when I got there. And of course, everything after that is new. The, the website, the trade show boosts all the collateral, all the print, all the signage on the building, in the building, 
you know, every, all the forms, everything in our internal systems has changed. Uh, then we went up to our parent company uh, because our parent company owns us down here in Naples, Florida, but they also own Rubidoux Wire in Loveland, Colorado. Right, which our friend Sue Welsh. Right, the Welsh, right? the, the Rubidoux family. Yeah, just yeah. an amazing family. Her father, Edwin Rubidoux, is truly a pioneer in our industry and invented some things that are still being used in some of the most technical applications on the planet. And it's just what an honor to, to have that company as part of our family of companies now. And so it wasn't very representative of guys in Colorado to be owned by a parent company called Pelican Holdings Group. So we went up to the parent company and we went and did some, some brand research and we figured out our options and we talked a lot about who we were. And one of the things we decided as an organization is that we were going to be wire experts because we cross so many industries and we're in two different States and we ship to multiple countries, countries all over the world. There isn't one definition for our organization other than we are, we believe we are the best at what we do in the spaces we occupy. So we went up to our parent company level and rebranded it as the Wire Experts Group. And we went and bought all these domain names. I was I was particularly proud. You, know, you may appreciate the most fat-free domain name I've ever bought is wireexperts.group because that's the new name of our organization. And we have the domain name plus a dot. You know, so nice. it was perfect. <laughs> so I liked that one. Um, of course, you know how the corporate level guys, they still want everything.com. So I'm still holding, I've got dot group in my pocket for some sort of special project, but, but we've gone through these rebranding exercises. And once you come forward with a new brand and you feel it's like a new suit, you go get a new set of clothes. There's a new person in you. You feel better. You walk better. You sound better. And that's the perfect time to work on your pitch. That's the perfect time to really develop a value proposition for what you're going to do with this new brand. So one of the things that I was, was able to, to help introduce, and I've got a, an amazing set of teammates at every level across this organization that are, they're, that are getting more adaptable, adaptive to a, to a marketing nut like me in the building. But, but that the overall concept is to lead with value, not just in your products and your services, but lead with value in your introduction to yourself as, as uh, with somebody lead in value with, with whatever you put out there on, 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 on as far as content, if you're going to place an ad and spend money in an advertisement, that's great. Put something valuable in that content. We, we live in a very noisy world the touch points on your life and our lives are just, will just probably never end. I don't know if it's exponential or until one of us has the courage to unplug whatever the system is, <laughs> but, but until then it's just getting noisier all around us. And my greatest fear as a marketer is that I'm only adding to the noise in doing my job. I right. want to, I want to reduce the noise for my customers. I want to somehow cut through their noise and bring them something that, that allows them to negate the noise, avoid the noise, totally ignore the noise. Don't worry about the noise. Come to me. I'm the expert. So, so we are driving um, a mental mindset across our organization right now that says marketing is not a department. Marketing is a mindset. Right. And, and we are going to, we're going to introduce that mindset into every other department. And 
And it's, it can be very challenging, especially in the manufacturing space where you're working with real specialists who, who've, who've lived very long in a specific box. And that, that's not to say they're old school. That's not to say they're uncooperative. That's not even to say they're unwilling, but they might be unknowledgeable about this. I, I, I've sat down with men who have multiple degrees in our office. I, I don't have any multiple degrees. Come on. Um, and, and these guys are, are scared to death about writing technical content. Yep. You know, a podcast like this scares the bejeebers out of some of these guys. So I've started a lot of internal processes. Um, it's nothing for me to go s- schedule time with an engineer once in a while now and say, I'm bringing a camera and I'm going to set it up over here and you're just going to sit at your desk and we're going to talk for 10 minutes about something. And here's the truth. I might do nothing with that footage. I just need him to get 10 more minutes, com- more comfortable with a camera building content. If I get something out of that, I only needed 30 seconds anyways. Right. Yeah. But but I'm bringing this culture along just step by step in some of these ways. And I think, I think this is the perfect time to do that. I'm, I'm very fearful of sitting on my laurels during COVID, during a global pandemic, wondering specifically in the manufacturing space, are trade shows ever coming back? Are we ever going to stand together in very large rooms? Will there be exhibit booths? Should I, how much of my budget am I spending on trade show booths? How much do I think I'm spending versus what am I actually going to spend? Because we can be honest, it's February, 2021. And last spring they kicked it into the summer and then they kicked those shows down into the fall. And then they kicked them and said, we're going to try it in the spring again. And then we finally are starting getting emails that says, yeah, we're going virtual. Yep. So, so truthfully, I, I tried to go virtual a year ago. And I am I am operating um, both marketing departments at Rubidoux and Pelican Wire as if we may or may not ever do a trade show again. So I would rather run around the corner than get dragged around it from behind. And everybody that's kicking and screaming, we'll just we'll get there together. Um, and and I think I think COVID is actually serving my people, my population of marketers, because I've always been the evangelist for it. We have to, this is coming, we should get ready. And COVID has kind of been a, a moment for us to say, hey, uh, it's here. It's yep. time. The time is now. And so if, you, if you're still holding on to something older than whatever the digital world looks like at this exact moment, including this technology in front of us right now, if you're not, if you're not in this type of moment right now, you're missing your customers. So we're, we're adopting a mindset that's moving, of course, more toward digitalization in some ways, but we also want to move towards personalization. Uh, yes. It's more important that we are relational with our customers. It's more important that I'm not using an email platform to blast thousands of emails out to this group of people when really what I need them to do is talk to their, their account manager or a CSR person, somebody who could, who could take them aside and build a better relationship and, and go deeper on providing value to that person than a really awesome championed MailChimp email. 
or something, right? Those are, you're, you're fighting spam filters, you're, you're, fighting, uh, you're, you're fighting people's rules on, on, on how they're getting engagement. When it's a person to a person and you're, and you're, and you're using your marketing to create guerrilla marketing back to your account sales team and you're letting them re-become the face of marketing, you're keeping that relational, that fortitude of that relationship going without punching them in the face with marketing. And so I'm really trying a lot of new things this year that look more like guerrilla marketing, but it's just a redigitization of relationships. I love that. And you know, I always say marketing should be done on behalf of and for people, not at them. And yes. so I, I, Yes, everything yes to what you're saying. And I have a feeling that Mr. Zaganto has like a barrel full of questions right now. So I'm just going to open this up for him before he explodes. Please. Uh, a, a couple of foundational ones. When you came uh, to Pelican Wire, did they already have some semblance of a marketing department and a marketing ethos that you could build upon? Or was this kind of a blank slate of paper for you? It was an outdated slate of paper. Okay. There was some work done prior years, mm -hmm. um, but there was, um, I'll give an example. I never found a file. Well, I'm not going to pick on them, but I never found original logo files. There was, it was, okay. it was a bit of a cumbersome mess, mm -hmm. but, but not because of anybody, anybody's negligence because there was an empty seat. They simply yeah. hadn't had, they tried it once many years ago, I think, or yeah. something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. But, so nonetheless, it was dormant when I was there. I'd actually been with the company for over a year um, before I started really wrapping my hands around all of right. their marketing. I started in, they asked me to come in and, and, and I joined the sales team just to get in on the company. They said, we need you to learn the products before we ask you to take on the marketing. So I spent a year becoming a wire guy to, you know, the semi dangerous right. level, um, <laughs> just enough to talk to a customer long enough for the customer that says, Hey, is there an engineer nearby? Yeah. <laughs> is there a smart person? Around here? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, which, which kind of uh, nicely segues into the other question, your, your background, you've kind of made the transition from sales to marketing uh, and, and are comfortable in, in both worlds. Some people see that those as very, very separate and distinct type entities. And, I, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is it an easier transition from sales to marketing or from marketing to sales? Um. I think that's a pers personality mindset thing. I think okay. I think your strength is the easier one to go to. I I have a sales background. Um, I, I guess I was pretty good at it. I, I usually hit all my numbers and all that yeah. fun stuff. But marketing is is my flow, yeah. and so whichever is your flow, I think is probably how that would gravitate. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes perfect sense. So so here you are with these, uh, these, these insights and experiences, and it, and it sounds as though you're, uh, you're, you're being accepted and the, and the stuff you're doing, you know, within the organization. So all of that being said, mm -hmm. how in the world do you make wire cool? <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you get content uh, around that? How do you make it interesting? It took me a while to figure this out because I was actually really fascinated by the product. When I got there, I don't have a technical background. I've not worked for, anybody that makes things like this. So, yeah. so for a while there, I was, I was fascinated. I thought, you know, the, 
the people were the world wants to know about nichrome alloy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Truth is, I don't think they do. Um, nichrome eighty or twenty, or you know. So, anyways, so. So what's really interesting, actually, when you when you get into the, to these products, it's it's actually how the product serves in a marketing way, almost to the solution at the back end. Yeah. It's a, it's one thing if I could pull up a picture and show you a spool of orange wire, and you go, "Wow, orange wire," <laughs> right? <laughs> but if but if but if if I then said, "Hey, that gets strung along, you know, the wing of a aircraft." Or, or that goes in one of those ginormous, not a real word, um, windmill blades. Is it? Sorry, it is. Uh, See, I don't even know that. Um, (laughs) So it's the solution that's interesting. We make a resistance wire that gets heated and, and those do things. But when I say, well, that actually goes on the blade of the Apache helicopter so that the blade has a de-icing system and can warm up. Yeah. All of a sudden, that's a pretty cool wire, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the story, right? It's the story, and same thing with the folks out in Colorado. It's it's a wire until you go, oh, that goes into an electric vehicle charging station. How cutting edge is that? How interesting is that? Yeah, that goes in a smartphone. Look at that, interesting. You know, so it's it's the solution that really brings out the interest of it, and so we don't spend a lot of time talking about our product as a solution we we end up talking about the solutions that include our products we lead with solutions it's the sizzle not the steak right it is in this case because (laughs) the it's the steak is a wire yeah (laughs) yeah well and that's the case for most of the clients we ever work with um and i say we meaning ray and i and our um companies. And I think that's what's so cool, at least we think, about everything that we get to work on. And what, like, do you think manufacturers, it's funny, like they'll always say, well, have you ever marketed for you know, a wire company like ours before? And I'm thinking, it doesn't matter. I think you're Widgets. a beautiful example, right? It isn't the widget. It's our ability to see the things that they can't see because that's okay. That's our job. Mm -hmm. That's our flow. Like you said, it's what we're gifted at. And it's um, our way, our ability to help them articulate why their thing is so cool, but not in the way that they would normally, you know, they look down at their own navel and go, well, it's my navel. It's cool. Let me tell you about it. We're like, "Mm, there's a different way to do that. And it doesn't have to be fluffy or bullshit but it will resonate better with your, with your customers. And when mm-hmm. they allow you to do that and trust you, the results are, are tremendous. For sure. And, and to me, sometimes it's a leap of faith because what they, what they want to do is walk with you toward the customer. What they need to do is let you go to the customer and walk back to them. Yes. So true. You have to go back to the customer and get everything, feedback, response, um, observations, their angle. You have to get everything from the end user and then go bring it back to those manufacturing guys. And and the folks that want to walk with you towards the customer, they're just probably just, they're going to get lost in micromanaging 
the steps anyways. What they need to do is cast a vision and let somebody go bring the customer to them and then, and then use that information to re-communicate their vision and their values. Oh, beautifully said. I'm, like, I'm getting a tattoo with that. I need a smoke. As soon as we're done. That whole thing. <laughs> right There's here. a reason. There's a reason this guy is on this podcast. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I've just, I just honestly, like you said, this is flow. This is, this is fun for me. I could do this an hour a day because I, I, I feel books with this stuff. I, I, yeah. I, I, get, I have, there are moleskins everywhere around me full of, I, I have to keep notes everywhere. So, yeah. well, you know what? Uh, this breaks my heart. It, our time is, is up. Okay. So man. I want to throw one last one. I know okay. it's up, but it's never, it's never up. It's okay, never. go. Hey, you're, you're in a unique situation, as I understand. Pelican Wire is an ESOP, employee-owned. Employee, employee stock ownership program. Yeah. Does, does that add a different dimension to what you're doing? I, I'm just curious. I've never talked to a, a marketer in that, in that environment. I'm just curious how that, how that works for you. Is, it, is that a good thing? It's an excellent thing. It's a real asset. And, uh, and actually, I appreciate you asking. Um, our ESOP is really important to us. It's a, it's a, it is obviously, it isn't part of our culture. It is our culture that okay. we are all employee owners is part of the culture. And, yeah. and, the, and the asset that each of us has for that is that we all do have a voice. There really is a voice in anything. And we do have quarterly town hall meetings where you can ask, anything yeah. and it doesn't get ugly and it doesn't get personal but but you have the right to know and you are allowed to ask a question as if you are an owner yeah and and in that represent and then i guess at that point i feel almost an obligation to make sure that the world knows that about us so mm -hmm. we lead with that a lot because it will it will shape what you think about us i believe it will shape what you think about us and if you learned about us after the fact, and then I, you found out we were an ESOP, you would go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because there's not a lot of bounce around. Whoever you're talking to yeah. can probably help you make a decision. That's, that's interesting because I've, I've seen the ESOP thing from a couple of angles. And what you described is the, is the way it should be with the, with the ESOP, where there's, uh, you know, there's that level of buy-in and... Mm -hmm. cohesiveness that that comes as a result of it it's not a it's not a tax dodge for the owners and it got dropped on everybody uh you know it's something it's hey we we chose this is something we want to it do. can be it doesn't it doesn't have to be i will tell you you must be very very intentional about a culture like that we have yeah. a we have a fragile ecosystem because of that but at the same time it allows it allows for the maximization of, of human capital too, because everybody there has a plan. Yeah, and that and that that comes through. I'm a Alice and I talk about this all the time. If you want cool content, you have to do cool things, and that generally starts with an awesome culture. And that's right. what you've described is a remarkable foundation for that. Well, we have we have an employee relations committee uh, that we fund at each location, and they're funded well. Uh, we do great events. We bring in food trucks. We bought a popcorn machine. We have a blow up movie screen for the outdoors. Jeez. We, uh, we go to hockey games. We've, we've done, you know, pre COVID obviously, but, um, but we do, we do everything 
we do everything we can to make that an enjoyable place to work. And, and it's a, again, it's a funded effort. It's not just a, sure. it's not a crock, you know, it's not a, it's not a potluck lunch. It's, right. it's, it's a food truck, you know? So oh, that's we, cool. we want people there and we want them to love working there because, because the longer you work there, the better you are at your job. And we know yeah. that. Oh yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you, Trent. Yeah. Oh man. Well, well, we can't thank you enough. Um, if you are not already connected with this gentleman online, reach out and connect to Trent Dunn on LinkedIn. Uh, as you can see, he's a maverick. He is he is uh, full of wisdom and wit and just a really down-to-earth guy. So thank, thank you, you so much for being here. I'm sorry I didn't get your wheatgrass question. <laughs> we'll save that for next time. The next episode. <laughs> It'll Sign be titled me. The Wheatgrass Farmer. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> hey, everybody listening, if you're not already, please, please, please subscribe to MFG Out Loud on your favorite podcasting platform. I think we're on about eight of them. Um, if you find value in this show, please leave a review. Five stars is lovely. And again, it's not for our ego, it's to let other people know that this is worth spending some time with and listening to. And we appreciate that because our whole core desire is to bring value and uh, to strengthen the heart and soul of manufacturing um, one listener, one person at a time, because we feel like it takes all of us together. Um, and this is a really cool industry and we really do love it. So Ray, will you take us out, please? I'll do that. Trent Dunn, thank you again. To all of our listeners out there, friends, fans, wherever you happen to be, keep manufacturing out loud because we need you. Thank you for listening to MFG Out Loud with Ray Zaganto and Allison DeFore. You can subscribe and find show notes at mfgoutloud.com. 